On January 26, 1972, Bruno Honka ran up a mountain near the village of Serbska Kamenitska in Czechoslovakia. The middle-aged woodcutter panted as his boots sank deep into the snow. The deathly cold winter air nipped at Bruno's face, but underneath his thick coat, sweat was forming. He had left behind his axe and work equipment, and now he was following the distinct sound of a woman screaming. The sound grew louder as Bruno burst through the trees. He froze when he finally saw it. Before him lay the wreck of an airplane's cabin. It was burnt and twisted. Bodies littered the ground. Bruno flinched as he realized the screaming was coming from inside the plane. He wasted no time rushing into the ruined aircraft. Inside, he found a body lying face down. He wrenched the heavy metal debris to the side. Underneath was the source of the screams. It was a woman, her once turquoise flight attendant's uniform stained red with blood. Her legs were twisted and her head was bleeding, yet somehow she was still alive. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a podcast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. At Parcast, we are grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. This week, we're doing a special one-part episode on Vesna Vulovic, a Serbian flight attendant who miraculously survived an airplane explosion and six-mile fall. We'll talk about her life, examine the events leading up to the crash, and explore the top theories on how she escaped certain death. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. As the pressure gauge tightened around her forearm, 21-year-old Vesna Vulovic's heart was racing. This was the critical part of her job application, the part where she could lose her dream. It was spring of 1971, 
and Vesna was applying to be a flight attendant for Yugoslovensky Aerotransport, better known as Yacht Airways. She wanted to join Yugoslavia's National Air Service to fulfill her dream of traveling full-time. She had gone to college to study languages, and she especially enjoyed English, having learned it from singing Beatles songs with her friends. Vesna loved England, and she especially wanted to live in London. But her parents were worried about a hedonistic city lifestyle, preferring she stay in Belgrade. However, the door to Vesna's wanderlust wasn't completely closed. One of her friends worked as a stewardess for yacht, and when this friend told Vesna she'd been to London for the day as part of her work, Vesna immediately set her sights on becoming a flight attendant. Finally, she'd found a way to travel the world and make a living at it. Nothing could be more thrilling. But first, something else stood in Vesna's way, her own biology. Vesna had low blood pressure, a problem for air travel. At high altitudes, this could cause her to pass out without warning. Naturally, this was something yacht screened potential flight attendants for. No airline wanted their employees collapsing in the aisles. But Vesna anticipated this being a problem. So before her medical examination, the industrious young woman downed several cups of coffee. She hoped it would elevate her blood pressure to where it would be considered acceptable for air travel. Vesna's coffee gambit worked. She passed the medical screening. And in 1971, Yacht employed the 21-year-old as a temporary stewardess. At last, Vesna got to live her dream. She flew for eight months with Yacht, and her low blood pressure was never a problem. The flights themselves were unremarkable. But that would change in 1972, when Vesna took the flight that would define the rest of her life. In January of 1972, Yacht assigned her to Flight 367 from Stockholm to Belgrade. As part of the relief crew, Vesna would board the plane when it stopped in Copenhagen, Denmark, and take over for the remainder of the flight. Ironically, Vesna was not supposed to be on the flight. The airline had confused her with another stewardess who had the same first name. But Vesna wasn't going to complain. She'd never been to Denmark, and this was a great excuse to go. On January 25th, the relief crew arrived in Copenhagen. Vesna was thrilled. Yacht had booked them a room at the Sheraton, and to stay at a fancy international hotel chain was a childhood dream of hers. The five-member crew had the whole afternoon and the next morning free, so Vesna was excited to see the city. But none of her colleagues shared this enthusiasm. In fact, a nebulous cloud of dread hung over all the other crew members. None of them addressed why they felt this way, but for some reason, their conversations drifted to their children and loved ones. So instead of sightseeing, Vesna accompanied three of her colleagues as they searched for souvenirs for their families. The captain, however, didn't join. He wouldn't even leave the hotel. And for the entire 24 hours leading up to the flight, he stayed in his room. The next day, January 26, 1972, Vesna and the crew arrived at the Copenhagen airport. At 2.30 p.m., Yacht Flight 367 arrived, the old crew departed, and some passengers disembarked. 
The relief team watched as passengers deboarded the aircraft. Several of them noticed a man who appeared to be very annoyed, but they didn't think too much of it. He seemed like just another irate customer. At last, they boarded the plane, and Vesna and the others made ready for takeoff. The aircraft was a medium-sized McDonnell Douglas DC-9, capable of comfortably seating 90 passengers. But today, the flight was less than half full. Only 23 passengers were spaced throughout the plane. This should have made for an easy flight. And when the plane took off at 3.15 p.m., everything seemed to be going smoothly. But just 45 minutes into the journey, disaster struck. At 4.01 p.m., an explosion ripped through the hull of the plane. The blast immediately struck many passengers. Some were killed, others merely injured. Meanwhile, the damaged plane began to break apart. First, the plane's body split and chunks of metal flew off in every direction. Then, without warning, the plane's cabin broke open. 19 of the 28 people on board were sucked out into the air. The remaining passengers clung to their seats for dear life. Inside the flight deck, the pilots struggled to manage the situation. They spoke into the radio, attempting to contact any nearby control tower. They pulled up on the steering console to control their descent, but it was too late. The cockpit had separated from the aircraft. The remains of Flight 367 landed outside the Czechoslovakian town of Serbska Kamenitske, just south of the German border. Smaller steel panels and debris landed in one area. Further along, the cockpit crashed down, killing both pilots. The port engine landed about a half mile from the rest of the aircraft, and the main body of the plane landed roughly in the center of all the wreckage. A local woodcutter, Bruno Hanke, heard the noise and rushed to investigate. There, buried in the main section of the plane, he found Vesna Vulovic. The 22-year-old flight attendant was covered in blood and clinging to life. Fortunately, Bruno had been a medic in the German army during World War II. He used his training to stop Vesna's bleeding. As he kept her warm, Bruno hoped someone else had heard the crash. If Vesna was going to survive, she needed help soon. When we return, authorities investigate the cause of the crash. Hey, Parcasters. Looking for a more lighthearted listen? Then I've got the perfect podcast for you. The new Spotify original from Parcast called Incredible Feats. Hosted by comedian and podcaster Dan Cummins, Incredible Feats is a daily show spotlighting true accounts of mind-blowing physical strength, mental focus, and bizarre behavior. Join Dan every weekday as he goes behind the scenes and into the achievements of everyone from freedivers and body modifiers to ultramarathoners and moms. Incredible Feats is offbeat entertainment that's sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful, and always surprising. Search Incredible Feats and follow free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the story. At 4.01 p.m. on January 26, 1972, Yacht Flight 367 exploded over the border of East Germany and Czechoslovakia. Of the 28 people on board, 
only 22-year-old Vesna Vulovic survived. Vesna was transported to a hospital in Prague where her condition was deemed critical. She'd broken both her legs, shattered two of her vertebrae, and fully crushed one. But the worst injury was to her head. Vesna's skull was fractured, causing severe brain damage. Even after the doctors operated on her, she remained unconscious. Her parents rushed from Yugoslavia, but their daughter was still unresponsive. All they could do was pray she would emerge from her coma. Meanwhile, the Yugoslav authorities investigated what might have caused the tragedy. They retrieved the black box from Flight 367's ruins. All planes have black boxes on board to constantly record cabin and cockpit voices as documentation in case of an emergency. But both transceivers had stopped functioning at exactly 4.01 p.m., the time of the crash. This left investigators to deduce that whatever had caused the crash must have happened quickly and without warning. They hoped to learn more by examining the rest of the wreckage. The most severe damage seemed to be in the plane's luggage compartment, situated toward the front left of the aircraft. Much of the wiring there had been destroyed by a searing heat of approximately 350 degrees Celsius. However, the wires that remained were burnt, but not melted. This meant the intense heat lasted for a short time, about 30 seconds, which led investigators to conclude that Flight 367 had, in fact, exploded. They concluded that this was no accident, and the Yugoslavian government announced that a terror attack had destroyed Yacht Flight 367. They believed the culprits were Croatian nationalists. Yugoslavia had been a hotbed of social and political unrest since its formation in 1918 after World War I. It was supposed to be a united country for all Slavic peoples in Croatia, Serbia, Macedonia, Montenegro, Bosnia, and Herzegovina. But in the years that followed, Yugoslavia was taken over by the Axis powers of World War II. Revolutionaries later liberated Yugoslavia. It briefly became a part of the USSR before splitting and becoming the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia in 1963. Despite this new identity, Yugoslavia struggled to manage the regions under its control. Anti-government sentiment grew in its various states, specifically Croatia. This tension reached a boiling point when the government suppressed student protests in 1971 and 72, which they called the Croatian Spring. After the Croatian Spring, a fascist and nationalist movement called Ustasha began gaining momentum in Croatia. The Ustasha radicals wanted independence for Croatia and to overthrow Yugoslavia's communist government. This wasn't the first time Ustasha had reared its head. It had been a thorn in Yugoslavia's side ever since its separation from the USSR. Ustasha rebels were known extremists, and a plane bombing was no stretch for their reputation. Still, in 1972, explosive threats on planes were extremely rare, and the bombing of Yacht Flight 367 was only the 15th such attack to have happened since the beginning of commercial air travel. Ustasha had threatened to blow up planes before, 
so Yacht implemented strict safety measures at their airports. But in 1972, their security methods were still nascent, and someone with a murderous scheme could have easily smuggled an explosive device inside their baggage. The official theory was that a passenger on Flight 367 boarded at Stockholm and checked their luggage, including a suitcase bomb, into the plane's hold. The bomber then disembarked at Copenhagen, leaving their bag behind. When the relief crew boarded the plane, their doom was already waiting in the cargo hold. And to back up the theory that Ustasha was responsible, the very day that the plane crashed in the mountains, another bomb attack took place on a train traveling from Vienna to Zagreb, Croatia. Ustasha ultimately took credit for both the train and the plane attacks, but no arrests were made and for some reason, authorities couldn't link the bomb to any of the flight's previous passengers. Still, they had most of the picture put together. But the one puzzle piece nobody could figure out was Vesna Vulovic. She had survived a fall of 33,333 feet, or about six miles, all without a parachute. And her injuries, while severe, were no worse than a horrible car crash. The doctors even expected her to pull through her coma, but they were worried Vesna's brain might never fully heal. The Czech Civil Aviation Authority investigating the crash was particularly interested in Vesna's recovery. Given the sudden explosion, it was unlikely Vesna had seen anything. But they held out hope that she could help solve the case. Then, one month after Vesna was admitted to the hospital, a nurse was making their rounds. When they got to the coma ward, they were surprised to find Vesna Vulovic awake. She was disoriented and weakly asked for a cigarette. Immediately, a Czech doctor questioned Vesna about the flight, but she had no memory of the crash. So they gently told her about the disaster, handing her a newspaper on the attack. Vesna was so shocked that she promptly fainted. Once she came to, her parents rushed in to see her. Still disoriented, Vesna asked her mother and father what they were doing in Slovenia. She had been in Slovenia before leaving for Copenhagen, and apparently she still believed she was there. Slowly, Vesna began her recovery. Meanwhile, some feared that the nationalists would try to assassinate her, eliminating the one surviving witness of the attack. The Czech government even posted a guard outside Vesna's hospital room, and no one was admitted to see her besides the doctors and her parents. An assassin never came, and eventually, the hospital staff arranged to transport Vesna back to her hometown of Belgrade, Yugoslavia. Back home, Vesna spent a few months in another hospital. She was tragically paralyzed from the waist down and still had no memory of the incident. All she could recall was welcoming passengers on board the plane. Her next memory was talking to her parents in the hospital after she came to. But Vesna's memory loss didn't stop her progress. By September of 1972, she was walking again. This in itself was incredible. It seemed impossible that a woman who had fallen six miles could even survive, let alone make a full recovery in only seven months. 
Soon enough, a theory developed that her survival hadn't been a miracle after all, but a publicity stunt meant to cover up one of the most catastrophic blunders in airline history. Skeptics suspected that a malfunction caused Yacht 367 to schedule an emergency stop somewhere in Czechoslovakia. As it descended, the pilots lost radio contact with ground control. The Czech military saw the unidentified vessel enter their airspace and couldn't contact it via radio. So, in a panic, they shot down the plane using a surface-to-air missile. In this theory, Vesna Vulovic survived the landing because the pilots had lowered the plane to only 2,000 feet above the ground, not 30,000 feet. Believers claimed the Czech military falsified the records from the crash investigation and that they fueled the media sensation surrounding Vesna to deflect blame from their own mistake. As if this wasn't enough, critics claimed the government shot the plane down because it flew too close to a sensitive nuclear site. And some unverified witnesses asserted that they saw a second plane airborne near the crash. In theory, this could have been the military vehicle that shot down Flight 367. It would definitely explain why no one could track down the person who planted the bomb on board Flight 367. And although Vesna did remember the irate passenger disembarking at Copenhagen, authorities couldn't link him to the explosion. If the Czech military story was true, then the crash was possibly even more tragic than the official story. And if the plane had only fallen from 2,000 feet, perhaps Vesna wasn't the only survivor. She was just the only one who didn't die of her wounds. Some theorized that other passengers on the ground were still breathing after the crash, but they died before the medical team could save them. The people touting this theory also argued that the plane's remains were scattered across much too small of an area. If the aircraft had exploded at just over 30,000 feet in the air, then the bits and pieces should have covered a much larger space. But if it was blown up by a missile 2,000 feet above the ground, this would explain the small debris radius. Speculation mounted. Perhaps Vesna was the victim of a deadly nationalist terror plot. Or perhaps the official story was just propaganda meant to protect the Czech government. Either way, no one could figure out how she had survived. Up next, we examine some new explanations for Vesna's survival. And now, back to the story. The explosion of Yacht Flight 367 killed 27 people. The lone survivor, 22-year-old Vesna Vulovic, had no memory of the incident whatsoever. And her miraculous escape from death remained a baffling mystery, as did the explosion itself. Some theorized the plane had been shot down by Czech authorities, who then covered up their mistake. But this theory has been debunked by many parties, including the nationalist organization Ustasha, who eagerly took credit for the bombing. Several Czech military experts also discredited it. If a missile had struck the plane, then there should have been evidence of external damage. Instead, the wreckage from the crash site showed obvious signs of an internal explosion. One expert added that in the case of an airspace violation, the Czech military wouldn't launch a surface-to-air missile. 
they would pursue their target with fighter planes. Besides, the data from the flight recorder was indisputable. The plane hadn't been descending when it dropped out of the sky. And the Czech government couldn't have manipulated this information because it had been examined in Amsterdam. Experts from the governments of Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, and the Netherlands were all present for that analysis. So if there had been a cover-up, all three countries would have been involved, something that seemed highly unlikely. As for Vesna's 30,000-foot fall, it was hard for anyone to believe she could have survived it. But the proof was in the pudding. Vesna had fallen six miles and made a full recovery. When Yugoslav and Czech authorities delved into the accident, they were eager to find out what exactly might have saved the flight attendant's life. And their investigation uncovered a surprising explanation. The official account stated that Vesna survived due to two things, blind luck and her own medical condition. To arrive there, investigators walked through Vesna's personal experience during the catastrophe. At 4.01 p.m., an explosion ripped through the hull of yacht Flight 367. As the cabin broke apart, most of the passengers were immediately sucked out into the freezing air. But not Vesna. When the cabin broke open, the plane immediately depressurized. This caused Vesna to pass out more quickly than anyone else on board, on account of her abnormally low blood pressure, something that should have kept her from becoming a flight attendant in the first place. The unconscious Vesna was pinned to the floor by a food trolley. So while passengers were flying out of the plane, the cart effectively trapped Vesna in place. Though the plane had broken into pieces, the large section Vesna was in remained relatively intact as it plummeted to Earth. The G-forces and rapidly changing atmospheric pressure during an airplane crash could cause the heart valves of someone with normal blood pressure to rupture. Their hearts would literally explode. However, because of her condition, Vesna's heart remained beating. She awoke from the crash somehow intact. But just where she woke up is up for debate. The reports of the crash actually claimed Vesna remained in the back of the plane, the section that didn't disintegrate. Therefore, her six-mile descent wasn't a free fall through open air under a trolley cart, but a controlled landing inside the vehicle. But Bruno Honka, the man who rescued Vesna, reported otherwise. He was adamant that he found Vesna near the middle of the plane, where the catering cart, rubble, and a crew member's body had trapped her. Her legs were inside of the fuselage, but her head was out of it. In 2005, Mythbusters filmed an episode where they tested how likely it was to live through a crash in the same way Vesna did. True to their form, they dropped an entire plane fuselage from thousands of feet in the air, crushing a crash test dummy in the process. However, the team still concluded that it was possible to survive such an incident, depending on where you were in the plane at the time. Vesna also may have been seated during the explosion, in which case the crash may have thrown her from the seat. And if so, it was unlikely that the concessions trolley would pin her in such a way to avoid flying out of the plane. Vesna, for one, never remembered just where she had been when it happened. 
but she also never took the miracle of her survival for granted. In her rare interviews, Vesna said the crash made her more of an optimist. She also became devoutly religious and would often remark that if she could survive what she had, she could survive anything. But her positivity didn't keep her from grieving. Vesna often felt guilty that she was the only person to make it out alive, and she would cry just thinking about the colleagues and passengers who'd perished. But even her survivor's guilt couldn't defeat her love of adventure. Once she regained her ability to walk, Vesna was eager to return to work and see the world. Yacht, however, wasn't willing to put her back in the air. They claimed that Vesna still wasn't well enough to fly. But in reality, they thought of her as bad publicity, a reminder to future passengers of terrorist attacks. As a compromise, Yacht allowed Vesna to return to work at a desk job, where she assisted customers with scheduling flights. But she never stopped flying. In fact, she found that her fellow passengers often wanted to sit next to her. They saw her presence as a good luck charm. In 1985, Vesna Vulovich was inducted into the Guinness Book of World Records as the person who had survived the longest fall without a parachute. The ceremony took place in London, where Vesna received the title from Paul McCartney. Her life seemed to have come full circle, from singing Beatles songs and yearning to go to London, to being given an award in London by Paul himself. Vesna Vulovich also became politically active. She vehemently opposed nationalism, especially in her native Yugoslavia. Then, in the 1990s, the country descended into the Yugoslav Wars, a series of ethnic conflicts that ravaged the whole region. Over 100,000 people were killed and thousands more displaced. In the fallout, Vesna's opposition to nationalist rhetoric made her a controversial figure. Yat fired her for her political views, and the conspiracy theories surrounding her fall became more popular, undermining her celebrity. But Vesna had the last laugh when President Slobodan Milosevic and his nationalist party were ousted in 2000. She even delivered a speech from Belgrade's City Hall balcony. Vesna lived an unglamorous life afterward. In her later years, she survived on a 300-euro pension and enjoyed the simple pleasures of life, spending time with her cats and occasionally seeing movies. She especially liked films that involved plane crashes. Vesna Vulovich died in December of 2016 at the age of 66. She was an ordinary woman who overcame extraordinary hardship to become a voice for freedom and anti-nationalism. For having fallen six miles, she rose incredibly to the occasion. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on Vesna Vulovich, amongst the many sources we used, we found Vesna's interview with Greenlight Limited extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. 
Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Unexplained Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Billy Pace, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Matt Teamstra, with writing assistance by Allie Wicker, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Listeners, you don't want to miss Incredible Feats, the all-new Spotify original from Parcast. Host Dan Cummins free-falls straight into the weirdest, wildest achievements of all time. New episodes air every weekday. Search Incredible Feats and follow free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.